Hello, this is Tom Hessian at Riverbend Capital Advisors. I'm pleased today to be joined by my friend and legendary municipal credit analyst, John Hallisey. John, good to be with you. Thanks, Tom. John, as you know, at, at Riverbend Capital, we regard our clients' muni allocation as their, their safe money. Our clients and advisor partners consider the principal investment objective of their municipal allocation to be capital preservation. And you know, as such, in our bond selection process, we gravitate to what we consider high quality issues. You know, when it comes to local school GO bonds issued by municipalities, we often include bonds that not only have their own solid underlying rating, but which also have some form of state support program, providing an additional level of security. As you know, many states have various forms of these programs, but today thought it'd be good to discuss three in particular, since these are among the most prevalent in Riverbend portfolios. These would be the Texas Permanent School Fund, the Michigan School Bond Loan Program, and the Indiana School Building Corp. So John, if you if you could take a minute and kind of walk us through the structural differences between these three types of programs, uh, I think that'd be a great place to start. Well, sure. Thanks, Tom. And a lot of these programs were begun uh, either back in the late 70s, early 80s, sort of at the same time that uh, bond insurance uh, was becoming more of a factor in the market. And a lot of states thought through, well, how can we boost the ratings on our school districts uh, with our own programs? So that's where some of this harkens back to. Basically, there's either a guarantee outright, uh, an appropriation, an intercept, or in some cases, a, a separate uh, uh, trust, if you will, uh, of which the assets are backstopping uh, the guarantee or, or the uh, make whole provision, if you will, on the underlying obligations that, that are wrapped. So there are a number of different approaches to uh, providing this extra layer of protection. Why don't we start with the Texas Permanent School Fund? How, how is that one different from the other? Okay. Well, in Texas, the Permanent School Fund is basically populated with uh, assets, mainly from oil and gas royalties and land holding. You know, it's divided into two segments, the State Board of Education allocation and the State Land Bond allocation. And each of those portfolios, of course, are somewhat different. Uh, the return on the Board of Ed portfolio is 4.17%. Uh, on the state land bank, 5.84%. Uh, basically, the permanent school fund has been in existence uh, in this present iteration since 1983, uh, and no district has ever defaulted since the inception of the program. So it really has been, you know, credit enhancement uh, versus outright credit support. In the most recent year reported on, the Total uh, guaranteed school debt was $82.5 billion for some 847 school districts in the state. Additionally, the Permanent School Fund does guarantee uh, charter districts that, that make the cut 
presently 1.9 billion of those out to 15 different uh, charter districts. You know, basically, the leverage is about 1.9 times uh, the assets. Uh, the guaranteed capacity is 117 billion. Uh, and presently, as I mentioned before, 82 and a half billion uh, is guaranteed uh, for school districts. Uh, basically, as in addition to the land, the 34 billion out of uh, the total assets of 45 billion are held in securities. And the allocation there is 35% equity, 19% fixed income, Alternative investments are 46%. You know, the program guarantees many bonds every year. Uh, and I know, Tom, you've been, you've asked me from time to time, what are the qualifications of the school district to participate? You know, basically it has to be a, a district that qualifies under the typical uh, general obligation authorizations for the school district program. And you know, presumably, for the most part, the underlying uh, credit assessment has to be investment grade, I would say. That's always been one of the uh, starting places. You know, over the years, whenever the securities uh, or the investments have been a little stressed, the guaranteed capacity might come down a little bit, and they might have to slow the pace, providing the uh, guarantee to additional bonds over time. Uh, that's happened from time to time, but that is really the only uh, factor that I can think of over time that has ever uh, slowed down the pace of uh, the program itself. In addition, the Permanent School Fund also kicks out off a regular level of support to school districts. They call them school distributions, and no more than 6% uh, goes to the school of the average value of the fund overall. The uh, amount for 2020 to 21 is 2.9%. Mm -hmm. And the PSF has uh, enjoyed top ratings uh, uh, since inception. And uh, yeah. you asked me to comment, Tom, I think a little bit about the status of the state. Mm -hmm. And the state yeah. in Texas is dependent on the sales tax as you know, they don't have an income tax. And the sales tax accounts for about 57% of the total of state revenues. According to uh, Glenn Heger, the sales tax take uh, recently was down about 13% for the month versus the prior year. And obviously, the, the dip in sales tax is directly uh, related to the quarantine. And as you probably know as well, Texas is coming out of the quarantine a bit faster than uh, some of the other states. So I think net-net, certainly the state's operations might have to be adjusted accordingly, but uh, still they'll do their best to maintain their creditworthiness. Yeah, I think the Texas economy has, has certainly evolved over the years and is not, you know, is mm -hmm. so dependent on, you know, oil and gas as perhaps back in the 80s and you know it's pretty resilient and should uh recover as as the economy uh is reactivated here 
Um, and good to know too, just going back to the local municipalities that they, it sounds like they do need to meet a pretty high hurdle in order to qualify for this backing, which is, you know, as about as solid as it gets, as you mentioned, AAA by all three um, rating agencies. So maybe we could, we could uh, look at Michigan next, the Michigan School Bond Loan Fund. Okay, the Michigan School Bond Loan Fund it goes back to 1963, believe it or not. So it updates, it predates, excuse me, a lot of the other programs. Basically, each district has to submit on its own for qualification. They have to demonstrate that they have up to seven mills available for debt service, uh, and they base the, uh, the millage and the calculations on taxable values that are established for all properties by May 30. And in essence, um, once the districts go through the qualification program, they, in essence, obtain the state's debt rating. There are quite a few issues outstanding. Uh, Michigan, of course, is a, a, a well-developed state and is a little bit mature. Well, whereas Texas is still uh, growing pretty rapidly. So they're in kind of different stages of, of development. Uh, but it's been a longstanding program. There's never been a claim. Uh, I think from time to time, there was the potential suggestion that uh, uh, one or more districts might have to tap into the qualification, but in fact, uh, it never did uh, take place. And um, you asked me a little bit about the state as well. Uh, the general fund's $9.1 billion. Uh, they figure it's down about 17% last year. The school aid fund, which is a separate fund, is $12.7 billion, down only about 5.9% versus the prior year. Uh, employment uh, is down 9.1%, the largest drop since 1958. And, um, you know, clearly Michigan will have to uh, be careful in adapting its next budget uh, with some of these uh, uh, revenue declines in mind. But again, like all states, uh, they qualify for some of the CARES Act funding, which, which will take some of the challenges off the table. And, um, you know, they've been pretty conservative over the years. Uh, you know, having been hit hard back in the 80s in the Rust Belt days when they had to make the transformation uh, during that time, uh, uh, Michigan's been quite uh, cautious with its uh, financials. But this is a, a bit of a near-term test here. Of course, the state rating being um, AA1, AA at this point, that's the rating on the program as well. You know, I, I might just add one note on liquidity. Um, I have to say, like when it comes to, you know, trading bonds with these various forms of state enhancement, you know, I, I really do believe that they help with liquidity, particularly when it comes to smaller issuers. You know, for example, a lot of market participants may not be familiar with a small city like um, like Bad Axe, Michigan, for example, but the, the qualified school program support uh, you know, definitely provides a secondary element of, 
security and I think makes the bonds more appealing to a wider audience. So, you know, definitely an advantage to have th this type of support program. There's always a ready bin in the street for school bonds that are wrapped by these uh, various state programs. And um, John, why don't we look at Indiana, the, the school building corp? Um, you know, I, I've, They've always been referred to as backdoor geos. Maybe you could you could comment on the the structure and um, on how that program differs. Well, Indiana is a state where they do a lot of uh, debt financing in the lease appropriation uh, format for a lot of you know constitutional reasons that go way back. So a lot of times they do it as in a lease kind of arrangement, but, um, you know, basically the state through the Department of Local Government Finance, they review uh, levies and appropriations of school corporations in, in each year for the lease rental payment. And if there's any failure to levy and appropriate sufficient funds, the Department of Local Government Finance uh, is empowered to establish levies and appropriations which are sufficient to pay such obligations over time. But if there is a missed payment uh, under the Act, uh, notice has to be given to the treasurer of the state of Indiana, and the treasurer in turn will pay the unpaid debt service obligations of the school corporation within five days. They also have to verify, in fact, that the school is unable to make the required, required payment on the due date. So, but essentially they act as fast as they get notice from the trustee or the paying agent. And um, a consultation process goes on with the state budget director and the state auditor and essentially, they come up with the funds to enable the treasurer to make the payment. And the other aspect of this is it's known as a state intercept program, because what happens is if the payment is not made by the district, the budget director, in an, an amount equal to the lesser of the unpaid debt service or the amount to be distributed to the school corporation in the immediately succeeding state fiscal year can be adjusted for the amount of the shortfall by deducting from the future state distribution to be made to the school district. Generally, there is a requirement embedded in the provisions that the state distribution to the school should provide at least two times coverage of prospective debt service. You know, once again, there's never been a call on this provision, although I'm certain from time to time there, there, there have been fears that they might be, but there has not been. It's considered a strong program, but again, there are some timing aspects between, you know, verification of a shortfall and when the shortfall gets paid. And of course, other parties have to take their positive actions. They have to uh, make certain that notifications are given in timely fashion. So that's basically the bulk of it. And Indiana is a AAA state. They were nice enough to uh, provide a COVID-19 update on the EMMA website, uh, which is the same uh, process that uh, Michigan did. They're at stage three reopening. 
and they're reducing appropriations by 15% for fiscal year 2021. Uh, whether or not they actually have to go the full 15% remains to be seen, but that's what they're calling for. And they're also cutting this year's budget. They're not using $291 million in reserves for capital and, and use it for bonds instead, or for the budget. And $175 million of other projects have been put on hold. Uh, but the state has about $10.8 billion in cash on May 8th. So they have a tremendous amount of cash still. And they expect to make all payments on a timely basis. Uh, the budget's $16.8 billion. $8.6 billion goes to school aid. And just one note about the schools in Indiana. The state provides 85% of school budgets, which is a very high level. I think the only state that might uh, uh, surpass that is Utah, where it's in the 90s. The general fund fund balance is 834 million. Again, very strong. And the rainy day funds, 519 million. And the state also maintains what they call a tuition reserve uh, that gets paid to school districts of some 338 million. So there are quite a few layers of protection there for Indiana. I know these programs are the envy of some other states that uh, <laughs> wouldn't like to have similar Certainly. programs, but perhaps just couldn't do it for one reason or another. Tom. Excellent. Well, you know, going forward for, you know, Riverbend client portfolios, you know, we're going to continue to seek out high credit quality and when there are opportunities to add bonds with these type of support programs, whether they're the permanent school fund, you know, state guarantees or state intercept. Uh, regardless, they all add an additional layer of security and certainly coincides with our client investment objectives. I appreciate your time today, John. It's been good speaking with you. If there are any questions, uh, as follow-up, feel free to contact us here at Riverbend. All right. Well, thanks again. Thank you.